I'm all about that fuss-free glam. Give me makeup that's versatile and feels like air on my skin and has ingredients that love my face, that's good for my face. You know, clean ingredients. And don't even get me started on mascaras because I do want them bold and lengthening. <laughs> and so we have Thrive Cosmetics, which I've been using since 2020, obviously because I appreciate their foolproof products that make it really easy to apply for any skill level. And they have a full line of makeup to refresh your everyday look, but also they give back. Every product purchased, Thrive Cosmetics donates products and funds to help communities thrive. Hence why it's Thrive Cosmetics, C a u s e medics thrive cosmetics and bigger than beauty skincare are not just makeup brands they're a whole vibe they're all about empowering us to rock our confidence and when you support them we are helping other communities thrive their stuff is not only easy to use but no nasties zero parabens sulfites phthalates they are 100 vegan and cruelty free let's talk lashes thanks to thrive's liquid lash extensions i must say that my lashes are just so beautiful and lush it adds lengths there are no clumps and also guess what it slides right off with warm water so no raccoon eyes here and i appreciate they have nourishing ingredients that support longer stronger and healthier looking lashes over time and it's a unique formula they use that creates these tubes around each eyelash to lengthen them. We've had problems in the past with the link, but the link does work now. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com magic. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash magic for 10% off your first order. Once someone has sort of taken like level one personal development things and they start to not get results, <laughs> which happens all the time, um, the next level, the deeper stuff is, is all about the trauma and, and how your own internal nervous system and wiring is sort of uh, stopping the process. Women who are alive today who are doing personal development work are what we call transitional characters in their lineage, meaning there's been a trauma pattern being passed down for generations and the women of today are saying no more. Now let the magic begin. Hello, Soul Tribe. It's Raquel and happy first week into the new year. <laughs> Are you over people saying happy new year yet? I'm not. I'm not. I'm still someone that says it. <laughs> I'm that person. Anyways, ooh, this day marks the day that millions of people all around the globe may be experiencing either joy because they are consistent on their path, on their direction of whatever they desired for their intentions and their resolutions for 2019, or they might be on the other end of the spectrum, shaming and blaming themselves for not sticking to their New Year's goals and resolutions or intentions. And if you're the latter, I'm sure, I, I'm positive 
your inner being is just chilling inside, knowing all is so well, and that whatever the desire was, you can still and will still get there. We might be walking with ease down this path that we first created in our mind that is guiding us towards whatever our desired New Year's resolution or intention was, and then perhaps somewhere along the way, the path got a little blurry as we might have started walking off a beaten path, which by the way, you know, maybe you're actually taking a shortcut in disguise or just a scenic route that will eventually get you there. (laughs) As long as you don't turn away and walk backwards, and keep moving forward and if you feel like that you start to walk backwards perhaps caving into old habits or behaviors that are so easy to cave to because you know they're comfortable again i promise you this if you have slipped in some way if you feel like if you are experiencing any shame or blame i promise you this hear me out magic begins with you right now in this moment you can be born again when you bring self-awareness to what it was whatever it was that made you turn away from the path that you intended to be on and go in another direction perhaps a safer or more comfortable or seemingly easier direction that the mind may have guided you for your own protection When you can reflect back and just kind of see where the shift may have occurred, where you pivot for a moment, remind yourself when the pattern occurs again, when you're faced with experiencing that pattern again, to recognize this as a moment to shift and continue walking on your path. And there's going to be many bumps in the roads and many temptations to pivot and take a different route from time to time in those moments you have the power to just recognize like nope I am sticking true I've got tunnel vision I'm going on this path unless of course you're feeling more divinely guided to do something greater which is always welcomed but in this moment I invite you to take a deep breath in inhaling your light and your worthiness and your expansion and magnetism to creating this desire inhale and exhale release any tension or doubt that is preventing you from getting you to where you want to go you are what observes You are what creates. And in this moment, I mean, if you're feeling inspired, perhaps take this time to pause and write down your plan or your sparks of inspiration or what you intend to do when you feel tempted to turn around and go backwards a bit. Your why, why you had this vision of yourself in 2019 giving you a little more direction and a little more clarity and a lot more guidance in recognizing that you can and that you are so worthy. It's only been a week. 
you're still on the way. You're still getting there, I promise. And so I'm giving you permission, the permission that you absolutely don't need, but sometimes, you know, we like to get those little pink permission slips from others. I'm giving you permission in this moment to take a pause and breathe and feel as though you are born again. And what you do from this moment on matters most. You're still going to really expand and create your own magic for 2019 because no one has the power to stop you. But perhaps your mind, which you have full control over. Well, (laughs) that was a long spiel about the first week of New Year's, but I'm very passionate about this because I used to really doubt myself when I wouldn't follow through on whatever I wanted to pursue. But I know you've just got this. Just take those little breathing spaces of reminders because the universe loves the attention and loves the creation that you are feeding it. Take advantage of when you remember those moments to pause, to pause. Anyways, this is an amazing time for this episode, this eye-opening episode with the one and only Mastin Kip. You may have been first introduced to Mastin by Oprah, (laughs) like I was, not personally of course. But if I have the pleasure of introducing you first, then amazing, because Mastin is a phenomenal human. He's not only a best-selling author and speaker, but he also created rapid transformational trauma-inspired, trauma-informed coaching called Functional Life Coaching. And Mastin has worked with over 2 million people all over the globe through his podcast, The Mastin Kit Podcast, and writing and online courses and speaking engagements and international retreats. I mean, he's pretty much walking a life I dream of as he's indeed a soul model of mine. So I'm so excited for you to hear him. And in this episode, we begin talking about his evolution from what he was first known for, his daily email called The Daily Love. He has been in this personal development world for a long time, and he received true crystal clarity on what he is bringing to this world from here forward. We talk so much about (laughs) traumatic healing in this podcast because a lot of times when we're on the wrong path or the beaten path for a moment, a lot of times it also could be triggered by something that happened in our past and we might need to get to the root cause of it and it gives us more compassion in that moment for having that block preventing us from pursuing whatever it is we want to pursue. So Mastin really clarifies it, which I love, and takes it just a step further for us. He really has this gift in seeing and helping people with finding the trauma and healing it so they can totally shift their course and live their purpose. I mean, that's his purpose and that's his sole mission. And he does it in a not-so-airy-fairy way, which, trust me, I'm all about the airy fairies. I love my airy fairies. And so he has very practical and tactical, yet soulful, of course, ways of approaching this, his trauma-informed approach. And we also talk about 
thinking beyond the dogma of the world. And him and I both had an experience when we were 12 years old that changed our course forever. Plus, of course, we talk about getting unstuck once and for all. And what I love, what I think many of you will be intrigued by, is he talks about how many of us women are the first transitional characters in our family to really awaken and how powerful this is as power dynamics are shifting with the way the world is today. So man, I just, I can't wait for you to hear. Okay, oh, this is a long intro, I know, but this is a really short and sweet five-star review that I have to bring awareness to because it made my mouth drop. And whoever sent this in, uh, your username is gapkuch. (laughs) Please ping me and let me know who you are, and I'd love to hear his story because, wow, thank you, thank you so much. I'm just, I'm so thankful. And gapkuch writes, after cancer... I was doubting life, and this podcast saved my soul. Thank you so much for spreading your light. (sighs) Thank you. (laughs) Wow. Yes, please. I would love to talk to you and hear your story. Thank you. Anyways, one last note before the magic begins. If you're very interested in writing or poetry or even photography or any kind of design like graphic or character or interior or illustration, Skillshare has actually given you an even better offer for the Soul Tribe, which they are now gifting you free, yes, free access to over 25,000 classes for two months when you sign up with Skillshare.com slash your own magic. I will share more in the midst of this episode. It's free. Please go to Skillshare.com forward slash your own magic to start your free two-month access. Anyways, it is time to let the magic begin with Mastin Kip. I just want you to know as well because I have to say this so I first heard of you and actually heard from you um, when listening to my weekly super soul on Oprah's podcast I'm sure many people were introduced to you from her but with the episode that she published with you and Gabrielle Bernstein and uh, Marie Forleo and on nine ways to become more spiritual such a catchy title but also I just remember with you specifically I was having so many chills and truth bumps and I just felt so called to one day have you on the podcast and at that point by the way my podcast was only a few weeks old so I was very ambitious (laughs) Um, but I didn't realize it would just beam and bloom as fast as it did and now I get to have amazing people like you on I put you on my little manifestation of guest list from like day Uh one yeah so anyways and now it's happening I'm like oh I just I'm just so thankful thank you again oh my goodness well it's a pleasure and that means a lot you know that um opportunity and and privilege uh has been uh, uh this gift that keeps paying and and, and honestly it's a more than, more than anything else it's like big shoes and big expectation when someone like oprah calls you a spiritual thinker for the next generation it's like <laughs> are you sure you're talking about me you know um but yeah i'm i'm, I'm stoked and uh, it was a total honor and so happy to be here and happy to be uh sort of you know this uh, sort of like uh 
self-fulfilling prophecy and, and like, you know, we help each other and we're all kind of connected to the same, you know, tribe in a lot of ways. We all sort of have the same mission in in different um, sort of expressions. So, um, you know, uh, I'm happy to be here. Absolutely. Well, one, I'm not surprised that Oprah was inspired by you and it still is. That is so cool. You're definitely a part of her tribe. Also, I'm just, oh, today I'm going to dig so much gold out of you, by the way. From <laughs> Okay, good. Well, I know you're the expert in talking about releasing hidden trauma and getting unstuck and creating financial freedom, which are a lot of things I get questions about, but I'm like, Wow, I get to actually bring somebody who really opens the world's eyes to the ideas of this and the actual taking the life actions to create and make sure that this happens. And again, of course, I want to hear your story as well. But first, the first question, it's a fun question. I'm just really curious. What are you most excited about right now? What lights you up in this season of your life? I think that's a great question. Excitement is probably, it's, it's uh, my core emotion. So um, yes, <laughs> yeah, like, like to me, I like live excited, but I think the most exciting thing about uh, 2019, at least the time we're recording this is that I've spent the last three or four years sort of on a, like a, it's weird because I teach people about purpose and how to find their purpose, but I've been asking myself that question because I had a popular blog called The Daily Love, and we had you know seven million readers at our peak a month, um, and and then it just wasn't lighting me up. I didn't start the blog to make money, um, and so I stopped it because I, I didn't care about the revenue. I I, I always do what what I feel um, I need to be doing for my purpose, and so I that 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 process has been like a three or four year pivot of sort of asking the question, who am I? And then also like, how do I bring something to the market that's that's differentiated from people like Tony Robbins and some of my peers like Lewis Howes or Brendan Burchard or you know some of the people you mentioned like Gabby and Marie, um, because you know I was publishing all this content mostly of other people and doing some writing, but as I worked more with people um, in my retreats and coaching programs, um, I fell in love with human beings and their potential and, and felt like I had some unique offerings, um, but it was really hard to describe what I do. Um, and so I went on a journey and a pivot and leap of faith for a few years to figure that out. And, um, you know, 2018 was a very clarifying year for me in terms of, uh, you know, really owning that I work with people who have emotional trauma, which we can talk about, which is because every, it's every human being. It's not just people who have abuse. It's every human. Yes. Um, but, um, but being able to describe that and then also like realizing that like the marketplace is ready for that um, because my story has been, nobody wants to talk about trauma. And they're like, wait a minute, Chris Carr has cancer and she made it crazy and sexy. So like, let's, 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 let's recontextualize this piece. And so um, I feel really clear and focused on that. I know how I can add value, the offers and the, the way that people that will be positioning our content for the year to educate people and to inspire them, instruct them around this topic is very clear. And I haven't had that clarity in about four years wow. for like what I'm, what I'm, what I'm really doing um, to this degree. So I'm very excited about that because with the clarity of what we're doing and how we're going to talk about it, uh, that comes the alignment. And last time I had clarity, we had 7 million readers a month. So I'm excited to kind of see where this goes. You know, it's cool. Oh my gosh. I am so surprised that you are really just really gaining the clarity now, but it makes so much sense. You needed to go through all that to evolve and expand to where you are now. And now 2019 is going to be insanely crazy for you since you just talked about the big C word clarity. That's so exciting. I'm really excited to watch your journey this year. I would also love for the listeners to hear about your rock bottom story and what the catalyst was that really 
made you awaken to live a more purposeful life before daily love and everything? Yeah. Well, I, I also, yeah, it's a great question. And I think, um, the more I think about that, the more, the more I sort of have a working philosophy. Um, one of the, one of the projects I'm, I'm slowly working on is, um, uh, taking all of the mental health diagnoses. Now, I, I don't have any certifications or degrees formally, but I have over 10,000 client hours and I get PhDs and clinical psychologists and clinicians and uh, psychiatrists all the time that approach me to help inform them for their work. So That's what, I, what, I, what I don't have in, in, in actual like uh, education, I have in actual work with human beings, which I think is uh, extremely valuable. <laughs> Just a um, little bit. Because <laughs> it's, it's actual practice. That's who you're helping. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and, and what I'm starting to, the, the model that's starting to emerge, um, has, is that, that every diagnosis that we get, um, and therefore every dark night of the soul and every hard time or addiction, um, has both, um, sort of a, 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 what we'll call sort of like, um, uh, maladaptive or painful parts, but there's also strengths and below all that, there's a purpose. So, the working model is like like whether it's a bipolar diagnosis or post traumatic stress diagnosis or um, af schizophrenic af affect or whatever what the diagnosis is. Um, there's actually a deeper purpose underneath these diagnoses than just here's what's wrong with you. And so when when I think about um, your question about like what you know, a more purposeful life, uh, when I really look back at my life, even when I was in like the depths of addiction with you know cocaine and alcohol and codependent relationships. Um, and seeking significance in my job and, and never and always coming up empty handed, you know, I was trying to find purpose in that because that was what was meaningful to me then. And it was, uh, I actually kind of become proud of myself, even though the, the, a lot of the behaviors I did were not, I, I wouldn't be proud of today. But like going on that quest and like, and actually, you know, um, going towards the addiction and going towards the codependent relationships and actually getting in the game. And trying to, you know, like, well, is this going to work? Is, it, is, this, is this white powder up my nose going to actually work? Like, there was a purpose <laughs> in that because I have traumatic brain injuries and I was self-medicating. And, you know, I have a similar concoction today of how I, I – now the term is biohack. Back then it was just drug use. But um, yeah. <laughs> um, but, but I have a similar way that I, I address my brain deficiencies now. But there's been purpose throughout all of it. I just didn't have that um, when I was in it. just felt like a lot of pain at that time. But when it comes to like actually, you know, um, getting on the path of like being a personal development practitioner and now sort of a trauma-informed coach and really the world's only trauma-informed coach right now um, with our process of functional life coaching, um, that really started after I hit a rock bottom in the music business with drugs and alcohol. And I went on my own healing journey to figure out okay, how do I feel as good off the drugs as I did on the drugs? And how do I do it where I don't almost die um, and hurt people? And and that's been a, a gosh, a 17-something year journey um, to answer that question. And and the more that I would seek answers and read books and do research, I would share it. And the more I shared it, the more interest people had in it. And the more interest people had in it, the more I would share it. It be, kind of became this cycle positive feedback loop. And then I started working with people and then I saw the transformation that people were having and I fell in love with that. And a funny thing happens, you know, when you, when I, when I have those downward spirals where I get into a depressive cycle or a, a sad cycle um, or an anxious cycle, um, you know, being of service, it always brings me right out of it, you know? And, um, and I think especially today in the world of uh, sort of online entrepreneurship that we have um, or just online um, 
we think we're entrepreneurs, but we're just actually just watching other people be entrepreneurs. Um, following entrepreneurs doesn't make you one, <laughs> but, <Yeah>. um, <laughs> but, but there's so much isolation now, you know, um, where people are hiding behind their phones and they're staring at these blue lights uh, all the time. And, and there's this lack of co-regulation and lack of face-to-face. Um, and the more that we do face-to-face things, I know that you do uh, retreats and Bali is one of my favorite places to go. Um, you know, there's, a, there's a, something that happens when you're together. And that's not just for the person who is signing up for a retreat or a coaching program, but it's also for the facilitator. Because when you're face-to-face and you're in a tribe, whether you're leading or you're the student, um, there's a real healing uh, power in that process. And so every time I've ever coached or led a retreat or a workshop or a seminar or online course or you know this podcast right now, um, it always gets me back out of myself and into service. And so that's just become a, uh, a way of life for me. Um, because it's what keeps me healthy, <laughs> if that makes any sense. Like it's like my business in a lot of ways sort of is my therapy and my mental health is based on engagement with other people. It's not just me in isolation. And I've just, it's taken a long time to kind of figure that stuff out. But, um, but when I look back on all the addiction and, and all the pain that I was in, like I was trying to find purpose, but you know, an addiction uh, is, is, a, is a solution, just not a good one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? that's an immediate satisfaction solution. Yep, that's right. I get it. That's right. I was there once too. I loved the white stuff for a long period of time. Yeah. Um, yeah, and also very codependent in my relationships as well. But, oh my gosh, this just inspired me in so many ways because 100%, this podcast is my therapy. And then whenever I talk to the listeners, I'm not shy to say that I get in darker states on occasion, but what really does lift me up, you're right, is service. That is, that's key. And it sounds like, it sounds like, of course, but, but like literally when you're coaching someone or you're just, you know, donating time at a, at a, at a shelter or you're leading a retreat or, or, or just helping someone, uh, open a door or get like, for me, like get there, you know, I was six foot five. So I'm what? a tall guy. One of the most common things people say when they meet me, they go, Oh my God, I never knew you were so tall, you know? Um, but like I get like bags down from like when I travel on airplanes from like the top drawer and like all those little moments are, are because I just think, you know, that the world is trending towards isolation because of digital technology. And I think that um, what we have to do is, is get more into co-regulation where we're with each other more because we are social creatures. And so I'm not immune to that. Like I have, a, I, have a, I have the same organ and nervous system as any human being. And so I have to be able to stay in that constant uh, co-regulation and, and being togetherness. And that's what really helps uh, bring purpose now. Uh, where before it was it was drugs and and the one thing I will say is that the the, the and, and please I'm not for anyone listening I'm not for addiction right like it's not a good thing but but it is a solution and when we start looking at core trauma that people have and uh, like if they were abandoned or if they didn't get their needs met if they went through some traumatic thing or if they were in soul sucking job or, or codependent relationship or or divorce or grief or whatever the issue is you know addiction is a constant in a lot of ways because you know that the drugs, the alcohol, the sugar, the sex, the social media, whatever is going to be there when, uh, say, like your parents weren't or when the person who loved you is not there for you. Something else is there for you. So it, it, in a lot of ways, uh, addiction is that consistency that we've been looking for, too, uh, because we need that a safe, consistent connection to something. And if it happens to be cocaine that goes up your nose or caramel popcorn, 
uh, well, that's better than nothing, right? <laughs> but ultimately, that will not be good for you. So, but it's really hard to create that consistent safety in a relationship with another human being. You know, it's just, it's like, you know, I, how many times, you, well, I don't know how many times people say a lot because we do a lot of relationship coaching for entrepreneurs. You know, this relationship would be so much easier for it if you weren't in it. Wow. <laughs> but once you, once you add somebody else into the, the dynamics, it's really hard. And those inconsistencies start to show up. So yeah, that those, those core, we all have those core wounds. And, um, I think the day and age of the spiritual teacher or coach who is the perfection on stage or, um, you know, uh, on the podcast is, is dwindling because I don't think that's real. I think everyone has it. And I think the people who are going to be um, successful moving forward are the ones who are having this type of a conversation to be able to say, yes, I do have dark times. And, you know, this is my therapy too. I think that's a, a super important um, piece for um, where, where this, this space is evolving, because if you can't own that stuff, mm-hmm. um, people aren't going to trust you either. Oh my. And it's what also got me here is being open and vulnerable. Dear yogis and active peeps, Fabletics has an extra special treat for you for the soul tribe, gifting you two leggings for only $24. Yeah. To help you live your passion every day. <laughs> Just go to fabletics.com forward slash magic. And if you are not familiar with Fabletics, well, they're basically the Netflix of yoga pants. And this may be embarrassing to say, but they're pretty much <laughs> the only thing I wear these days as they are just so cozy and fit so well on my human shell, making my human shell feel so fit. And my favorite pair of yoga pants are still my rose-colored high-waisted Fabletics, but also my new high-waisted black capris. And oh, they just, they look so good, they feel so good, and they make me just want to play and flow. All their pants do. And also their sports bras, they may be my new obsession, especially on my runs because they really hold me in. But what I love most about them, besides the fact that they're, again, cozy and the best looking pants on my body, is the fact that they are constantly changing their designs all the time. And they're the most affordable quality activewear on the market. Very high quality material. It's just amazing how this aligned and Fabletics manifested in my life. Because like I said, they really are the coziest and most fitting activewear for my body. They also have this really cool VIP members program, which gives you better deals of about 50% off regular prices, plus free shipping and additional perks that you can't resist. So I actually ended up joining that. And so, Tribe, again, Fabletics is gifting you two leggings for only $24, which is a $99 value. So just visit fabletics.com forward slash magic. I'll leave it in the show notes. That's fabletics.com forward slash magic and pick your two pairs. One other thing that I think is really fascinating about you is that you help others help others with these core wounds that you're talking about with your functional life coaching, correct? Yes. It's amazing that you found like this white space in the life coaching field that just wasn't so heavily focused on one key aspect to help us really heal every inch of these wounds and, you know, instead of instead of coding it. And also, like, basically, you help us get to the root cause of it all, which is 
everything (laughs) to find the emotional trauma that lies deep within us. So why is it so important, by the way, to find the root cause of our behaviors and feelings and we'll just everything in life? Yeah, well, it's a good question. And and just for anyone who's listening, it's like, I don't have trauma. It's like, so let me first define what trauma is. So trauma, the word trauma is just, it means wound. That's all it means. And things that traumatize you are like uh, emotional neglect, meaning if you were left alone a lot or isolated as a child, intentionally or unintentionally by parents. Um, Being bullied, uh, most of grade school, most of high school is traumatizing for people. Um, Being in a soul-sucking job, being in a relationship where there's constant fighting or disorganization and stress, um, you know, eating environmental toxins uh, in our food, all of these things can be traumatizing. And of course, you know, sexual assault, molestation, abuse, all of those things are absolutely traumatizing, you know, combat uh, and, and being a proximity to violence, all those things are traumatizing, but soul's a soul-sucking job and staying in relationships that are not nurturing, all of those things create uh, developmental attachment and um relational trauma and so we all have it and so um a litmus test for do i have trauma is have i have i or do i feel anxious have i or do i feel depressed have i or do i um ever worry right like if if you have any of those things then you have trauma that's just the bottom line um and any mental health diagnosis is really just a trauma response it's not really a disorder it's improperly named by the dsm um but (laughs) It, it's not it's not it's not it's not a disorder it's an appropriate response to what's happening underneath uh for example for example um one of my favorite uh disorders quote unquote to talk about is dissociative identity disorder which uh, used to be called multiple personality disorder yeah. and if you take someone with mpd or did and you um put them with other people who have that disorder and you put them in a in a, in a collective you know like you know a, quote insane asylum or or hospital ward right um, out of context, they might seem quote unquote crazy, right? But if you take that same person and then you put them in their family of origin environment, um, what you're going to find is a highly creative individual who's really good at dissociating from the trauma of their environment. So creative that they invent multiple personalities. Um, oh, I have truth bumps again. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's, it's 100%. It's absolutely true. Um, wow. And the problem, the reason why this isn't talked about is because you look at the current system, the, medi- the medical system, is it's, it's set to treat sort of acute disease, right? So like we take antibiotics or we take a pill, which worked when we had the bubonic plague and we needed penicillin to like, you know, have an antibiotic property to like kill off the bacteria, right? But now we're not in a uh, primarily infectious disease world. We're in a chronic disease world, not infectious. So you have to treat it differently. And so the way that you treat mental health problems isn't through just brain or um, just symptom management, though that's super important. You have to go into the, the trauma response in the body, which is stored in the central nervous system. It's stored in the somatic tissue of the body. And we hold those things and they happen so quickly that our mind can't catch them. And it, anything can trigger you. Um, it could be a smile or it could be a frown. Or it could be a tone. Everyone has that one relationship with that one person where the tone, they know exactly what that means and it like, can get you. Um, or that facial expression. And so when you have these responses and they happen so fast that you know that they're actually happening, they, they catch you um, and they throw you off. And then you're not posting consistently on social media or you're having consistent fights in a relationship or you're having a fear of raising your rates or charging or you're in this constant conversation of debate of should I or shouldn't I? And you have this disorganized approach to life where it's like this come here, go away messaging. And um, the, that purpose of that pattern, to, that come here, go away, disorganization, attachment pattern, is to keep you safe. And so when people come to me and they say, well, 
you know, um, my sales funnel isn't working. When we dive deeper, it's like, well, you're not posting consistently on social media. When you get somebody on a sales call, um, you don't know how to how to overcome objections because you haven't done your own inner work to actually be able to hold that space. So it's never really the system or the webinar or the podcast, the launch or the book or whatever that's the issue. It's the own internal orientation towards those behaviors. And um, so for every you know successful online course that comes out or book or podcast or whatever that teaches someone the how-to, the piece that's missing in the implementation of it, because the, the world is riddled with online courses with information in them, but people buy them and then don't do it. And it's not necessarily the people who sold you the course's fault. Um, there's lots of great courses out there, but it's how you show up. And so if you're having an avoidant pattern or if you have an anxious pattern or disorganized pattern around these things, then you'll bring, you'll, you'll avoid social media. You'll avoid logging into a course. Um, you'll have anxiety around moving forward and taking up space because taking up space in the past meant that it was dangerous. And so for me, um, upon asking the question, why enough with my clients, because I've had over 10,000 client hours directly working with clients, it became so obvious to me that everybody had this a hurtful thing that they went through in their past, usually before the age of 10 and definitely after for sure. But not only that, they tended to hold whatever they went through in isolation and not talk about it, got swept under the rug. And the, the, all the research shows that the combination of going through a painful event and then holding that pain in isolation creates significant trauma long-term and, and, and different pathways. And, and then that you bring that into a business dynamic or relationship dynamic, and that's why uh, it doesn't work, <laughs> basically. Um, and so, so I was like, holy shit, uh, no one talks about it. Or that the standard human uh, development model um, or spiritual model is uh, don't talk about the past and the negative stuff and the trauma. It doesn't matter. Just change your state. Just meditate. And, and um, you know, I love Warner Earhart and I love Est and I love Tony Robbins and I love that whole lineage and I love Louise Hay and I love Wayne Dyer and that whole lineage as well. But none of those modalities, as, as I started to observe, were actually trauma-informed. In fact, they were more um, trauma-bypassing where they wouldn't talk about it. And the standard landmark forum Est human potential line is or NLP line would be, doesn't matter what happened to you, let's just change your state. The problem is, is that the nervous system holds on to and the body remembers of what's happened. And so you can temporarily change your state, but like a thermostatic setting, the body will reset back to stress and back to depression or back to anxiety because it feels safe um, uh, in that setting. It doesn't feel safe in the setting that you're trying to create it. So when you look at a practitioner like Tony Robbins, who's the world's best coach at getting people into a peak performance state, no one better in the world, but there's not the trauma-informed perspective to say, well, let's help your body feel safe staying there. Um, and that's that's the hard part. And so it, I don't disown or talk shit about any other practitioner. I'm just more saying like, hey, guys, we have this buffet here and we're missing this one piece that's like super important. <laughs> it's basically <laughs> the know? plate of the buffet. <laughs> basically. 100%. Well, the same thing with law of attraction, right? So people talk about raising their vibration. Well, like if we look at, so everything is vibration, everything resonates, like that's that's physics. Um, but when you talk about like emotional content, emotions are vibration as well. And the way that you raise your emotional quote vibration is through creating safety in your body, through healing uh, your emotional state. And there's no amount of dissociation from uh, your emotions that will help you raise your vibration. So you can chant all you want, meditate all you want. You can put your prayer circle of protection on Mercury and retrograde all you want. But if you don't do your trauma work, 
then it's just a bunch of superstition. But if you do do the trauma work, that stuff doesn't really matter as much. And I'm all for, I, I just unboxed a bunch of crystals. Like I have a grid in my office. Uh, I love that stuff. Love it. Um, and, and I also talk about my core trauma and help my nervous system feel safe, engaging in life on a day-to-day basis, being vulnerable in my relationship, learning how to ask for help, self-disclosing the things I'm going through that I'm scared of. Um, and, and, and doing that not just by myself, but also in relationship with my partner and my team, self-disclosing to my team that, you know, here's my ADHD diagnosis and here's what I'm really good at and here's where I need help with it. And I'm not this perfect person that can do it all by myself. Um, and, and really welcoming that support and help. Like that's a, that's a, that's a, um, a lot of stuff that I had to work on besides just my, uh, my crystal grid. Right. And I'm not against my crystal grid. I love my crystal grid. And I love my body work and I love all my affirmations, all that type of stuff. But when you have a trauma informed approach, then what ha- like, 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 like people, if you want to know where the vortex is, if we're talking about like Abraham for a second, like you are the vortex. And, and when you heal your trauma, you, f- you, you, like you, you feel safe feeling good because they all talk about the emotional scale. Right. But like happier emotions are, are dangerous to the nervous system because they're vulnerable. And so um, the goal is to help it help the body feel safe in these other states uh, of higher quote higher consciousness. And so I like to think of raising your consciousness more about healing than getting somewhere higher. Because the more you heal, and the more you make it safe to be who you already are, you know your soul doesn't need healing. Your meat sack does. Um, yes. you, know, you were born conscious, and <laughs> the, the, the trauma process is about healing that healing those wounds to let your consciousness be there already. So, um, and you can take this and apply it to coaching, to therapy, to whatever. And where functional coaching comes in as sort of a unique offering is that the general public perceives life coaching primarily as helping people move forward to achieve a goal and close, like, here's where I am, here's where I want to be, and there's a gap, and I'm going to overcome that gap. And then the general public perceives sort of therapy as going to the past, and um, revisiting the past. And what functional coaching does is it goes to the past so that we can move forward in context of what happened and help your nervous system feel safe moving forward. Um, and um, it's not therapy um, by any means, but um, we definitely you know, have regression techniques that we use and help people understand where they came from and then we help people feel safe moving forward. Um, and I'm not you know, a mental health uh, licensed anything, but I'm really good at what I do. <laughs> <laughs> and I can say that uh, with confidence. You, know? you are pretty good at what you do. <laughs> I'm so curious. So taking this trauma form approach, it's it's going to require a lot of self-awareness, it seems. A lot of self-awareness may be a key component upon just recognizing these patterns. And some people might be like, well, where in the world do I even begin? Like, where do, where do, how do I begin to find this root cause? What do I have to do? Close my eyes and meditate for a few moments and figure it out? Or do I have to reprogram something from the past or just accept it inside? I don't know what to do. I mean, <laughs> whenever I would hear this stuff, I'd be like, all right, wonderful. I'm going to heal these root causes. I'm going to figure them out. Wait, how the hell do I do this? Yeah. So how the hell do they do that? <laughs> well, let's take a page from functional medicine, right? So Mark Hyman's probably the world's most famous functional medicine doctor. And the whole functional medicine approach that was sort of propagated by Dr. Jeffrey Bland and is now you know, heavily uh, rooted in, in super functional medicine and the Cleveland Clinic and, and all these amazing functional medicine practitioners, um, you know, their, their approach is you, you, you come in to see a practitioner, you talk about your symptoms, what your symptoms are. 
And then based on your symptoms, there's certain diagnostic tools that they use to not just help you manage the symptoms, but also discover the root cause. So for example, I'm over, let's just say you're overweight. Okay, great. So we're going to test for fatty liver. We're going to test insulin levels, HbA1c levels. We're going to test glucose levels, lipid profile, uh, C-reactive protein for inflammatory markers, uh, all complement C4a, all that stuff. We're going to do a whole profile, thyroid, all that stuff. And then you get your test back and they say, okay, look, so you're hypo, you have hypothyroidism, and your glucose levels are uh, way too high, and your HbA1c is too high, you have prediabetes. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to help you have a medication called metformin to manage some of the symptoms. We're going to change your um, approach with your food and all that type of stuff, right? Like like that's the process. And then they're going to go, oh, by the way, your liver levels are really high. So like actually fatty liver is the root cause of this. So we're going to help you address the fatty liver issue. Then we're going to really focus on doing a liver cleanse or whatever it might be. So they, they do a a behavioral analysis, and then they do a diagnostic process to identify the physical root cause of whatever the issue might be. Um, however, you can talk to any functional medicine doctor or health coach, and they'll tell you that that lifestyle and behavioral choices and the associated trauma that people use to cope with it trumps just like health coaching. So like for every health coach that gives you like a food protocol, or for every, you know, uh, functional medicine practitioner that says, okay, you know, this is the the right anti-inflammatory diet for you, like people actually doing it is a different thing (laughs) because like you ain't taken away from me. You are not taking away my cinnamon toast because that's my love as a kid growing up. Like me and my dad would eat that all the time. So like, how dare you take away my love? Right. (laughs) So, so, so then you get into the emotional side. And so we do the same thing on the emotional side, which is, okay, so what's the, what's the dynamic that you want to change? Like what's the behavior that you want to change? And let's just say it might be drinking a glass of wine at night. And then we go through a whole process of, okay, so so if you want to drink that glass of wine, what's the story you're telling yourself about that right now? Okay, well, I deserve it uh, because I had a long day. Okay, so now what does it feel like to have a long day? Well, it feels kind of stressed. Okay, so you're feeling – really what's happening is you're feeling an emotion of stress in your body right now. Okay, cool. Um, What do you have to believe about life to um, feel stressed? Oh, you know, um, I'm never going to make enough money. Where did you learn that? And and then we got to figure – find that out. Right. And usually that's mom and dad stuff or early family of origin stuff. And um, and what we do is we we'd have a regressive process to understand where that belief came from and then examine how that belief was held over time and inform choices and then start to really honor the nervous system to say, it's going to be scary for you to start a business or it's going to be scary for you to raise your rate. So it's going to be scary for you to do X, Y, and Z because in the past, Doing it the other way meant that you would get the approval from your mother or your father. Or doing it the other way meant that you would be safe. And so while the nervous system uh, is going to feel like you're dying or this is breaking up with your family or violating every rule your parents ever gave you about what money means, um, just breathe through it and, and we're going to help you take contrary action, but with respect to the fact that your nervous system is going to throw up blocks. And instead of trying to deny the inner critic and meditate away the anxiety, we're going to go into it and to find out what is the underlying need. Because, you know, the, if you follow the inner critic through to like why it's actually there, for example, you know, well, you, you, you know, you're, you're, you're such a piece of shit. Well, why am I a piece of shit? Well, because I uh, didn't post, I had, a, I had a typo in my Instagram account, on my Instagram post. Okay, well, why does that make me a piece of shit? Well, because no one's going to like me if, uh, if I have a typo and I'll be all by myself. So, so the inner critic is actually trying to guide you to connection, <laughs> right? Wow, yeah. Right? And, and then you're like, oh, you need connection. Well, let's talk about some ways you could give it. And so 
you know, the analogy is if you can, if you can actually trust your body responses as actually having a purpose rather than being a pathology, um, we can start to course correct. And why that's so important is because, you know, think of it like a starving person, right? You can describe food. You can talk about all the biochemical responses to what starving is and what happens to leptin levels and ghrelin levels and insulin levels when you're starving, or you just give somebody a salad. Yeah. <laughs> right. Cause if you just help somebody meet their needs, including your own traumatized self, it will start to build new pathways where you feel safer. And so it has to be in context. So we help people create context around why they do what they do, procrastination, overthinking, not in terms of so that you can beat yourself up, but more in the context of that makes a lot of sense based on your history, why you would do that. And it's a, it, 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 it creates a lot more compassion. Oh, yeah. um, and it creates a lot more empathy for, 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 for the, for themselves. Yeah. And then from that place, then it's a process of working together over a period of time to rewire the pathway, because most people come to me with 30 or 40 years of, of trying something the other way. And so it's going to, I say for every 10 years that you have the pattern, give me at least a year to help undo it, <laughs> you know, cause it takes, it takes practice to be able to, to actually rewire yourself with, uh, you know, neural, um, with uh, uh, neuroplasticity and stuff like that, but it can't happen. So um, that's a sort of a high level. And one of the reasons why I wrote the Clean Your Power book is because I've been doing this work for you know decades, or not decades, a decade um, in, at my retreats and in my coaching. And people ask me, well, how do we do it? So the Clean Your Power book is really sort of the framework for um, walking the, you through how to identify sort of what your core stuff is and then how to start to use it to move forward. And, um, you know, that's, that's all about, and then we help people do that as well in business and other areas of their life relationship, entrepreneurial relationships and all that stuff, because trauma shows up everywhere. <laughs> it's everywhere. So there's something new, something free for you, free for two whole months. When you go to skillshare.com forward slash your own magic, a new URL to get two months for free with Skillshare. I'm so thankful for the sponsor and that they are continuing to gift us an even better deal. Like what? And it's because millions of students have been using Skillshare to expand their human self in many different skills. They have an array of skills to help us along our journey for a more abundant 2019. Skillshare has over 25,000 online courses now from creative courses like writing or poetry, photography, drawing, animated illustration, all kinds of illustration, video editing, other kinds of editing, probably podcast editing, culinary, and even ooh, tips for your business from social media marketing and freelance guidance, management, and so much more. Oh, I can't forget. I can't forget to mention also tech classes like gaming development or app development and lifestyle classes like health and wellness and language. Just an abundance of courses for free for two entire months. Join me in their self-publishing class. That's the new one I'm taking, but I've taken their a couple of their creative writing courses and an entrepreneur course and a productivity one. Who knows? I'm also kind of curious about singing. I might try the singing course just too, since the universe knows that that is not my forte at all. It might not be a gift, but I can learn a new skill. Anyways, go to skillshare.com forward slash your own magic for your free two whole months. That's skillshare.com forward slash your own magic. Cool. 
claim your power. It's 40 days, right? Yeah, it's basically, um, I mean, you could do it faster. I don't recommend it because uh, it's, it's a pretty intense book. You know, um, you know, a, a lot of personal development, I'll call it like level one personal development. It, it teaches people some of the basics, like this is meditation or your thinking uh, has something to do with your reality or, you know, here's a breathing technique. Those are all sort of like sort of basic, like, yes, uh, there's, there's a mindset, there's a meditation, uh, basic manifestation tools. Once someone has sort of taken like level one personal development things and they start to not get results, <laughs> which happens all the time, um, the next level, the deeper stuff is, is all about the trauma and, and how your own internal nervous system and wiring is sort of uh, stopping the process. And so the Claim Your Power book is really designed to help create context around what happened to you and how did you hold it and how did those form beliefs um, that you know informed all of your behaviors and emotions and then how do we re revisit that to also find the strengths in it because especially if you look at the dsm for example uh the diagnostic and statistic manual for mental health disorders which is where all the diagnoses come out of ptsd etc um you know you go in there and you look at like they give you a symptom cluster diagnosis if you have these you know 10 or 15 symptoms then you probably have this disorder. But what they don't have in the DSM is the associated strengths. So for example, ODD, um, oppositional defiant disorder, right? Um, they talk about uh, all the defiant skill sets and all, all of the things that people do to kind of, you know, kind of poke and prod and hurt people and stuff like that. But you know who else should be in the ODD category? Like Joan of Arc. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> You know, uh, Anita Hill, um, you know, anyone, uh, Martin Luther King, because there, there was also, they have defiance uh, traits as well. So for every um, sort of negative, if you will, um, symptom, there's also a whole set of skill set of, uh, of strengths. So same thing with ADHD, right? Impulse control and attention issues, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But they don't say would make a really good entrepreneur or artist or would be a really good person for the Marine Corps in combat, right? Like, they don't, they don't say those things. They just say, here's the problem. And so what we do in the Claim Your Power process is we help you figure out what happened and also what were the strengths in it as well. Because there's a lot of really good stuff. Like people, you know, everybody has been successful at certain things. And so we help you look at like, well, you actually had strengths in your trauma too. And we can help you find purpose through that. And then with that information and that new context, we help people move forward into a more compelling future um, in the context of their trauma instead of feeling so powerless because they don't even know what's going on. You know, just being able to name it is a really powerful thing. Oh, yeah. Being able to pinpoint it. By the way, when you said Joan of Arc, <laughs> something came to mind. This might sound completely random, but something else that we have in common aside from our addictive behaviors is both of us when we were both 12 years old, and this is a part of my experience I had to heal from and get to the root cause of, and I believe this was the root cause of something, but um, is where when we were both 12 years old, we left our, I don't know if you left your religion, I left my religion, but I, we both realized the dogma didn't really resonate with us. And for me, yeah. I just completely, I completely turned away from the Mormon church. That's what I did. But you, you recognize that what they are preaching is really just a metaphor for life which is genius for a 12 year old like what <laughs> <laughs> well i was just i just think that um you know joseph campbell probably has my favorite quote about religion um who you know joseph campbell was a, a comparative mythologist and, and religious major uh expert at uh, sarah lawrence college he wrote a book called the hero for a thousand faces for anyone who doesn't know major philosopher and someone who uh 
you know, impacted like George Lucas and helped him figure out how to write Star Wars. I mean, the guy is like totally brilliant genius and um, uh, passed away in the 80s, but um, he was ahead of his time. And and one of the things that Campbell talks about um, is this idea that um, every religion is true, just not literally true. It's metaphorically true. Um, and, and because he studied all the religions, right. And so if, so if you look at the metaphor of any religion, uh, and the stories that are, um, in those religions, they're all metaphorically true. Now, where we get into trouble is debating the one name of God and all that type of stuff, which is really not the point No, no one really, you know, Muhammad and Jesus and Moses and Buddha and all these people, um, you know, we're, we're really trying to help people have an ontological experience, meaning like a beingness about them, not necessarily like empty words. Um, and so, uh, so the idea with religion is it's, it's who you're being is that you really want to look at that from that perspective. And so I grew up in a, in a, in a household of, of science. My father's a PhD in biology mother's a master's. And so I grew up in the research environment. My father was working on his PhD thesis when I was a young child. And, and so I was in the, like the, the, the labs and I saw the carabiners and I just, you know, was raised in the scientific method and, 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 you know, believe to believe in evolution and, and, um, you know, Darwinism and all that jazz and gene expression and blah, blah, blah. And so when, when, when I, they opened the book, uh, when I was in Christian school in 12th grade, or I'm sorry, when I was 12, um, and they opened the science, it was a science class. They opened the, they opened Genesis, you know, I was like, um, why are we opening Genesis for science? And, and, and then I basically kind of thought, oh, they think the metaphor, and this is 12, I was like, oh, they think, that, oh, oh, you know, this is just like some sheep herders that don't understand the science part, trying to just tell a story so people can understand very complicated things. <laughs> and so I, I kind of pressed the teacher for that, and I got sent to the principal's office um, <laughs> and, and expelled, essentially. Whoa, for being brilliant? For being well, wow. well, at that point in Kansas, it's more like uh, it's more like you know. Oh, you were in Kansas. Talk about defiance, right? So like, you know, ODD for sure. Right. Um, but I was so surprised <laughs> because I mean, in the book I read, it said turn the other cheek, and nobody was turning any cheeks. And so I was like, mm-hmm. you guys are not reading the same book I'm reading, and this whole thing is just kind of crazy. So I, I kind of just said like, to hell with all you guys. You guys don't know. You guys must not actually know what you're talking about. Um, and, and, you know, I sort of turned to music and, and uh, you know, Tool and A Perfect Circle and Maynard James Keenan is probably one of my number one biggest influences in terms of helping me form a philosophy of life. Um, his, that, that, the, the work that a lot of his work is full of all kinds of amazing stuff and Jungian stuff. And, um, and then many years later, I realized I let the judgment of people separate me from the love of God. And I, then I vowed to never let that happen again, because just because someone's a fool doesn't mean I can don't have to connect with my creator, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and, and no one religion has a monopoly on the divine. So um, <laughs> uh, I think, uh, you know, um, that's becoming more and more obvious. And I think, I think at the end of the day, I don't care if you're, you know, uh, Muslim, Christian, Jew, agnostic, spiritual, course in miracles, whatever. Um, it's about who you're being. And that's the most important yeah. thing. And that's where the trauma piece comes in because, you know, when Jesus on the cross says, you know, forgive them, Father, they know not what they do as he's being crucified. That can be translated from a trauma perspective into, you know, their 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 unhealed trauma and the associated hypervigilance and defensive strategies and mechanisms are completely blocking them from the oneness that is experiencing here. So exactly. um, I think it's, you know, when you take the trauma-informed pr- approach and perspective on all these things, it, things start to make a lot more sense. But, you know, everything is metaphorically true. You know, the idea of death yeah. and resurrection is a metaphor. You can say find the same thing in Greek mythology. And I mean, every everyone has that metaphor, um, whether it's Abraham or, you know, uh, David and Goliath or whatever. 
Um, but whether or not Jesus actually literally died and ascended to heaven is a different story. And uh, no one was there, so no one can prove it. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And there's so many new theories that keep popping in my mind, too, about all that. But you're right. No one was there. No one can prove it. Yeah, so is believe what you Mary believe. really a virgin? I don't know. Yeah. But well, believe what you believe, yes. And, well, I also believe that being open to these ideas beyond what the information is that we're being told and turning our cheek to open our minds is really one of your gifts and you've really been able to dedicate this life to this to heal others but something you brought to my awareness recently which i thought was so interesting was the difference between gifts and strengths so gifts and strengths so i like to think of strengths as kind of like the the vegetable that your parents made you eat when you were a kid before you had dessert and i did <laughs> think of brilliant. i did like think of gifts as like the dessert right um mm. Mm-hmm. And, and so, uh, but I have to put this in context because um, it's not bad. So we live uh, in a post-World War II Great Depression nuclear bomb era. Um, the, the, the combination of the Great Depression and dropping the A-bomb um, on Hiroshima and Nagasaki, the Holocaust, all of the, uh, and the civil rights movement, um, all the combination of all those things happening, you know, uh, psychotherapy uh, use went way up in the 50s. And then we had the Vietnam War, we have the hippie generation, and um, now we're in, uh, you have to be under a rock not to see and really acknowledge that the unhealed trauma is running the show and up for healing. We got to heal our misogyny, we got to heal our racism, uh, we got to heal our xenophobia, we got to heal our relationship to indigenous people, like there's a, there's a bunch of stuff that's up right now. Um and, and, and a lot of that, a huge amount of trauma was, was caused generationally with the Great Depression and World War II. So when we look at our parents, grandparents, and great-grandparents, they were raised sort of with this post-depression mindset of, you know, get a job and, 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 and take care of your family. Like, that's the American dream. And now we're almost 100 years later from the Great Depression, and artificial intelligence is here and disrupting jobs, and the internet is here, and you know people are making $100,000 a year playing computer games, um, and it's a different world. And in many ways, even though there's more uh, differentiation uh, in the United States now than there has been forever since the uh, Civil War, um, there's still a ton of abundance. And so I want you to think about a, a strength as uh, Gallup defines a strength as... Um, Anything, any task that you can do where there's a near perfect sort of completion of the task. So if you're an accountant and you're really good at tax returns, um, then that's a, that's a strength that you have. You can do tax returns all day long. Yeah. But in the, in the context of, of post-World War II Great Depression, you know, being an accountant and having a job in the white picket fence, all that type of stuff, like that's enough. Um, but in the context of 2019, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like, like just being a widget is not enough. Um, and so, um, gifts are things that we're born with They're soft skills like compassion, empathy, insight, and, uh, you know, uh, connection, things like that. And <clears throat> most of us were raised with a message that you can't make any money with your gifts. So suppress them and push them down. And those are just hobbies or whatever, but they're, they're inherent inborn skills and, and they come so easily that most people discredit them or don't value them. So for example, earlier you had mentioned that something that I said, when I was 12 was brilliant. To me, it was obvious. Right. <laughs> it wasn't like, okay, I'm brilliant. It's just, I was born with the gift of insight. Like I can see certain patterns other people can't see. Um, other people are born with other gifts. Um, and some people do also have the gift of insight, but about different things. And so I wouldn't sit there and say like, oh my God, that's, that's valuable. 
um, I didn't realize that being able to look at somebody and hear them talk for a couple of minutes, I can pretty much identify what their core trauma is and just on their vocal tone in a lot of ways. Um, but because I have that skill set now, um, you know, that I didn't realize that was that was a gift because I just I'm so in tune with people's physiology. Like it just I can see it's really hard for me to travel sometimes because I just I can get all this input from people. I'm like, oh, I don't want to know. <laughs> but it's just it's just that's a gift. And and before that wasn't even a gift uh, in my perspective, because like I would say stuff like that and people get upset. Wow. <laughs> so it was also like 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 pipe down with that, you know, um, and never from my parents, but from society. And I think Tony Robbins was the first person I ever saw that had a similar gift. And I was like, well, this guy seems to be making it happen. Like, what is he doing? And um, I realized that he was able to channel his insight into a different way. And then I realized, oh my God, that is a, a gift. And that is valuable with enough practice and people coming to me and affirming it. But to me, it's still like, really, you want to pay me for that? That just comes so easy. But so many things that um, come easy to us, we, d- we discount as not being valuable because they come easy. And we spend so much time going to school and learning strengths that may or may not be valuable. Um, but more and more as the world evolves and artificial intelligence takes over more and more, those soft skills and gifts are going to be more and more important because those are the things that computers can't do, um, is what you're born with and who you really are. And so, um, you know, the sign of a gift is, you know, time flies by, it comes very easily to you. Um, a lot of times there's something painful that you've been through that you want to help other people, um, sort of not go through. Um, you can look at, uh, what makes you compassionately angry, you can look at who you're jealous of and envious of or who inspires you. Um, and you start to look at these things and in context, you start to realize like, oh, yeah, I'm, these are some of my gifts. And so, you know, we have a whole process of people discover that stuff in some of our programs. But, but the basic idea is you were born with it and it's so freaking obvious that you discount it. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, people think it's, it's accounting or it's, it's my degree or it's, you know, being able to speak French or whatever, but it's really uh, something usually a little bit more simple than that. That might not be your soul's purpose. <laughs> to yeah, be exactly. Um, but maybe it is. I don't know. I don't know either. You're right. If it lights you up, then yes. But if it doesn't, then pay attention. Actually, you know what? I do know a couple of numbers people that math in general lights them up, which is beautiful, and we need them in this world. Yeah, we, we call those people freaks. Right. They're <laughs> freaks. And then they also call us freaks for other reasons. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but, you know, some people, so they might be making a living by using their strengths and perhaps even their gifts, but they may, may – they may feel paralyzed to move forward in some way or to in the pursuit of their gift, or they just may feel stuck. And I know you talk a lot about getting unstuck. So I want to turn the page a bit, turn the chapter a bit, and I'd like to call this part unstuck. So because every time I do a Q&A, I like post a Q&A, like I'm going to answer your questions. Somebody, at least one person, it's usually more say like they, they feel stuck wherever they're at in life right now. And so I'm like, hey, I'm talking to Mastin right now. Why would I not ask about this? Yeah. <laughs> so, yes. And so I'm curious, like, how can we get unstuck and start walking the path of our purpose? Where exactly do we start? Yeah, it's probably one of the top questions I get asked is, like, how do I, um, how do I get stuck? <laughs> how do I get stuck? Or how do I get unstuck? And, um, yeah, well, that, that's another question, too. But I, I, think, I think that we have to first recognize what stuck actually means, okay? So um, it means a couple things. It means, one, if stuck literally means not moving. Um, and so, uh, that, that, so things that don't move die, they're dead. Um, so there's an emotional death that's happened, meaning like, I don't, I can't stand how I'm feeling. This feels like emotional death to me. 
And <clears throat> at the same time, if stuck means that I'm not moving, it also means I stopped going in the wrong direction, <laughs> right? So, so being stuck is better than going in the wrong direction. Um, it's just not going in the right direction yet. And so, so there's, there's actually two really good things about being stuck. Number one is we're kind of getting to the point of you being fed up with however it's been going. And number two is you probably stopped at least going in the wrong direction or at least slowed your momentum in the wrong direction. You're, you're searching. Um, and so all of those things are really, really good things. The next thing we have to look at is, well, why are you, quote, stuck? And the answer is uh, the same for everybody, because you're safe being mm. stuck. Um, that's why. Yes. And so then we have to look at, well, what is it about moving forward that's threatening? Like, why is it a threat or fear to move forward? And usually the answer is something like, I have to take up more space. And I work with a lot of women. And it's weird because I'm a six foot five white guy from Kansas. And I'm in the, we're in the Me Too era. And uh, I talk a lot about working with women and trauma, which is I'm in many ways like the least likely person to be talking about this right now. But one of the things that's been true, because I've studied uh, sort of where this, and patriarchy isn't just by, a, by people, it's a system. Um, but we live in a patriarchy, it's true. And that's a, that's a masculine dominated um, system. And, and masculine is not um, male, it's, a, it's an energetic um, and men and women have masculine and feminine principles and, and energy within them, just like positive and negative uh, energy, like with a, a, a magnet. But we, a patriarchy is a system of masculine domination. And so women can participate in the patriarchy just as much as men can um, if the masculine energy is dominating them. And if you look at, for example, Donald Trump's election, that was supported by a lot of women, mostly white women, who are in proximity to white men in power who have this proximal power benefit of being associated with white men, therefore reinforcing that process. So, um, so that explains a lot about like how could a woman vote for Donald Trump when he says grab him by the you know what, like that's why. And so, um, and so when you look, and so from a trauma-informed perspective, when you look at being stuck as an example, and especially if you're a female who's stuck, we have to acknowledge the context, okay? The context is women have gotten the message uh, since Mary Magdalene and before to be quiet, <laughs> okay? Um, and so for thousands of years, it's been uh, systemically appropriate and okay for men to speak up and for men to go for their dreams and for men to have power and for men to have things. And it's still not okay for women to have things systemically. Like the, you have to look at the context, right? Like we look at the last uh, election, um, you know, it, we would America right now would rather elect an African-American man than a woman, okay? This is how deep this runs. And that's why the last presidential election was so polarizing for people. It has nothing to do with Republican and Democrat. It's a power struggle. And um, it mirrors like a domestic abuse situation, but like, like massive, massively. So if we look at a woman, for example, who's, quote, stuck in a system of patriarchy, whose epigenetic data, from, meaning her lineage of the women before her in her lineage, have been told, be quiet. And all of the trauma that the women of her lineage have gone through is in her genes, right? Speaking up, for example, taking up space, for example, you know, like people were burned at the stake for that, right? Um, and so, so you have to take it into context of like, you are probably the first person in your family to do this, right? So you can, you can celebrate, hey, I was the first person in my family to go to college and I was the first person in my family to say what I mean, Yeah. <laughs> right? I was the first woman in my family 
to speak truth to power, right? Like, like that's that's no small thing. And so, so you, stuck is um, what's. So let me re- recontextualize this, especially for women. Okay, women who are alive today who are doing personal development work, and this is true for men too, but it's really true for women. Women who are alive today who are doing personal development work are what we call transitional characters in their lineage, meaning there's been a trauma pattern being passed down for generations. And the women of today are saying no more, this is not how it's going to be. And we're going to reverse it. And we're going to speak up. And, you know, we're, you know, women are being elected, uh, you know, as of the recording of this podcast, you know, the new Congress was just sworn in. It was beautiful to see all the diversity and, and the female power there, but like that's never happened before. Right. So when we start to talk about women taking up space and women speaking up and women causing a ruckus and, and, you know, women's anger has been suppressed for so long because it's so powerful and transformative. Um, You know, uh, Jesus, if you look at the actual lineage of Christianity and you look at the Harvard research done about Jesus, he wanted to pass the church to Mary Magdalene and Peter took it from her um, because he was jealous. That's the beginning of systemic misogyny and religion. So, 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 so this has been happening for a long time. Okay. So when a, when a woman says, I'm going to start a business and I'm going to post on Instagram and I'm, I'm procrastinating. Right. Um, and we put it in that context. It's like, well, yeah, I would procrastinate too. If my great grandmother was burned at the stake for doing that, <laughs> you know, oh my gosh. Um, I would procrastinate too. If, if, if my, if my mother was abused for that. Right. And, yeah. and that's the real talk. That's not like uh very fairy shit. Like, like, like women have been spoils of war and they've been suppressed for a very long time because of their creative sexual power. I personally believe the female gender is superior in terms of its, uh, the brain wiring, uh, emotional empathy, soft skills, and also intuition. Um, and those things are going to become more and more, uh, important as we move forward to balance things out because the, the, the answer isn't a matriarchy. Uh, the answer is, is a blended society where we honor both the masculine and the feminine. And we're safe to be androgynous, essentially. Um, mm-hmm. And so, so when we talk about being stuck, we got to say, well, girl, I'm going to take you by you know, the hand and say, good on you for being the first person and first woman in your family ever to speak up. And you're probably going to have a lot of disapproval from your family but for doing this, <laughs> right? So like, yeah, I would be scared. And so like, let's just acknowledge how big a deal it is that like on the path of evolution, you're the first woman in your family to speak up. Like you're the transitional character. Like you were born for this purpose. So now let's find other people who are also doing that and like spend time together, reaffirm each other and create an environment and a tribe and a connection. I know that you use the term soul tribe. I love that term too. You know, like a soul tribe because you can't do it by yourself. So, so stuck isn't really stuck. Stuck is scared and scared for good reason. Um, and also um, it can be overcome. And I mostly work with women. So that's usually what I see. So when I see a woman, for example, a client of mine, uh, speak up about a trauma that she's been through, or she's consistent on social media for a period of time, and she's being visible, where no one in her family has ever done that before. Like, to me, that's a hero. That's someone who has been through so much, uh, t- has taken so much courage to go through all the generational program that says, shut up and be quiet. And so, um, you know, I've been a force for helping women since I was born, because my mom, uh, you know, has been the focus of my life for my whole life taking care of her. She had a broken back and she's been in pain my whole life. And my whole focus is about how do I help you feel better? So I'm sort of wired for this stuff. But, you know, in the context of, of a specifically a woman being stuck, you have to take like the environment 
and also the generational data into account. Because without that, it just, you know, what you see is, well, what do you mean? Just go fulfill your dreams, go change your mindset. It's like, well, fuck you. I'm not gonna change my mindset. My whole body says that this is a threat. So it's really easy for a man to like go read Think and Grow Rich and take some self-help seminars and then go do some shit. Um, but I'm not saying that women can't do it. I'm just saying the message for thousands of years has been it's not safe to do it. So this this generation of women is making it safe for women to do that. So um, so it's not easy and it requires a lot of um, uh, reverence. And for me, it has to be contextualized as a heroic effort and nothing short of that. And um, and I, I really mean that when I say that, because if you look at it, I mean, we're not even, we're only a couple decades away from women being able to vote. <laughs> okay, like this is not, this is relatively recent. Yeah. Okay. It's so new, so new. So yeah, so so that's probably not the answer you were thinking I was going to give, but <laughs> that's. um Not at all. I have, I'm tearing up. I have oh. chills and I'm sure that most of the listeners listening are also transitional characters in their family. So I'm sure that you have many souls tearing up right now oh. with chills. <laughs> yeah. Wow. But I realize, oh my, a huge part of this, a huge part of this is not only owning it, but finding your worth in the midst of it, which is something that many people, though they might be a transitional character and recognizing that we are moving forward, they may not, it's hard to really tap into your worth or really own this because you have so much fear, so many blockages of, you know, being judged in some way. So, but how can we find our worth and step into this world, not like tomorrow, but now, right after this podcast. Yeah, I, I think it's 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 a matter of of doing it anyway. So, um, you know, one of my mm. one of my favorite things to do because I, I I coach a lot of women, but I also coach a lot of couples, right? And so, in any couple, there's usually a spectrum of one of the one of the people in the couple tends to be a little bit more codependent, and one of the people in the couple tends to be a little bit more narcissistic and self focused. You can think of it as one tends to be more other focused, and one tends to be more self focused. And they, they, they are that way because of their, their development. And you can absolutely rewire that shit. And so, um, so, so for example, um, in a, in a, in a, in someone, in a, in the, if someone in a relationship is more like others focused and, and let's just say the self-focused person does a lot of talking, interrupts the person who is more others focused a lot. Like that would be me, right? Like I tend to be more self-focused and I have ADHD and I have a fast brain. So when people, what people when they're speaking, they, they have a comma, but to me, it seems like a period. So I start talking, right? <laughs> I love it. Um, hey, you're self-aware. It. It's great. I do it yeah. too. Um, and, I, and, and I apologize, when, but, but, but a really great thing, a great strategy um, for the person who may be being interrupted is just, just to keep talking. <laughs> Wow. You know right? What? Like, just keep talking, right? Um, whether or not, and the other person, like, if you just keep talking, eventually that person will kind of get the hint, right? Um, and, and, and like that, so that's kind of a metaphor, which is like the, the, the way to do it is you keep taking up space anyway, right? So like, that's why it's been so amazing um, to see this whole new wave of uh, Congresswomen be elected, because I think uh, Ocasio-Ortez the other day was called radical. And instead of like, taking that on, she's like, yeah, like Abraham Lincoln was radical and FDR was radical. Like, yeah, I'm radical. You know, um, oh, I think yeah. there's a, an ownership in that that just says like, yeah, yeah, that's me. And I'm going to keep moving. And I think that, um, I think that that's probably the, the, the simplest, the simplest way to quote, own it is to just keep taking up space because it's not going to feel comfortable. If you look at, for example, like, um, like the, 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 the phenomenon of the law of attraction, right. Um, 
And, you know, that was really sort of brought on by the secret, right? If you look at like the, the, the trauma informed approach to like why that's so popular, if you look at like, for example, the secret, uh, I believe in the law of attraction, but the message that people received, mostly women was, I can secretly wish for what I want, take up no space, present no threat, not ruffle feathers and still get what I want. That was the message that we got from things like the secret. Oh yeah. And, and the, the truth is to manifest, you're going to have to ruffle some feathers. I love it. <laughs> and you're going to have to take up more space, right? So so I'm not anti the law of attraction, but I think the magical thinking, and by that I don't mean like 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 good. I mean like 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 the, the thinking needs to mature is I can get what I want without ruffling feathers has to go, right? And it's more like I'm going to ruffle some feathers and that's just kind of how it is. And um, being okay with uh, ruffling feathers and upsetting people, not because you want to hurt them, but because this is your preference and this is who you are and this is what you want and this is what you're about, that's a very different thing. And so I think um, the, the, the benefit of what's happening today with the Me Too movement and women's empowerment manifesting beyond just a slogan into you know, hopefully policy pretty soon um, is that you know um, people's feathers are being ruffled but it's about time <laughs> that yeah. those uh, feathers are being ruffled. And, and it's the missing piece. Because if you look at, like, for example, you know, a cancer or anything that uh, invades the body, cancer is not just about um, the cancerous cells, right? What, what makes cancer maladaptive and, and, and lethal is when the, the, the antibodies are not strong enough to counteract it anymore. And so people who have not been taking up space, uh, who are starting to take up space, mostly women, um, are the antibodies in a lot of ways, or people who you know have this mindset um, are the antibodies. And so I think that um, while it might not feel comfortable to speak up and there might be some, some feathers that are being ruffled, I think that that's really it because um, speaking up is the behavior of owning your worth, right? And the cool thing is that that's becoming um, a zeitgeist. That's becoming a trend now. It's not just uh, a few people here and there, you know, like, it's kind of like, this is how it's going to be from now on. I think probably the best book I've, I've read on this recently is by Rebecca Traster. And um, I think it's called Good and Mad or Good and Angry. And it basically talks about the transformative power of uh, women's anger. And it is, it is awesome because basically the, 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 the idea is, is that women's anger has been suppressed for so long because it is so transformative. Right. Oh, um, yeah. And so, so, but that, that, that's an idea whose time has come. Like it's, it's time for, 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 for not just women, but the feminine um, as well to take up more space. And that includes the soft skills and the empathy, but also the, the ability to say, you know what, I'm not going anywhere. Oh yeah. Tough. Yes. And so we can prosper. Oh yes. Yes. <laughs> so yeah. And, and the cool thing is, is that like this, this new wave of, uh, of people, of women, not just for Democrats, by the way, it's also Republicans uh, who are coming in um, to Congress you know, there's a different energy. You know, you have the first like openly bisexual congresswoman. You have the first like, you know, a few uh, Muslim congresswomen, you know. So oh, yeah. uh, you have you have the first uh, Republican uh, con congresswoman from certain states. So it's like it's 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 a it's a it's a wave that transcends politics. And, and that's what this whole sort of post 2016 Trump Hillary conversation is really about is the mm -hmm. power dynamics between men, women, and masculine and feminine. And it's a, uh, the power dynamics are shifting and crumbling. And so um, that's a, um, 
uh, a very sacred process that we get to contribute to and really be a part of. And so that's why I think the trauma-informed approach is so important because without understanding trauma, it just seems like the world's going crazy. But when you understand trauma, you start to realize like this is it's about damn time. <laughs> yeah. Like this had to happen. I Sometimes I wonder if this whole Trump thing had to happen so this can finally happen as if Trump was the boiling point of making it so we really just are like, all right, we're done. We're sick of this. We're going to step into it. And everyone is going to be able to walk into these positions if they want to, no matter where they come from. That's right. And I know, and, and the one thing I will say, if you look at his history, right, is that um, I'm, I'm not a Trump defender um, or supporter. Okay. I'm just talking history. If you look at what happened yeah. in Nazi Germany, right? And you had millions of people exterminated in concentration camps. Okay. So we, we are nowhere near that bad. Okay. So even though it's really bad, okay. Um, this is, this is, this is, this is, a uh, um, uh, it could have been way worse in a lot of ways. And I do, I do think it is a necessary correction for people to go, yeah, th- there's a problem here. Um, and so, uh, you know, Trump, you can think of Trump as a character in that shift. And I'm not giving him credit because what he stands for and his values are appalling. And the antibodies are now kicking in because after his election and after what happened with uh, Dr. Ford, so many people and so many women have been motivated to say, you know what, fuck this. Like, I'm done with this. We're moving forward, you know. Um, and that is exactly what has to happen, right? So um, this is how, this is how um, innovation happens. This is how revolutions happen. Um, you hit that boiling point and people say no more. It happened with Martin Luther King in the civil rights movement. It happened with uh, Susan B. Anthony in the suffragette movement. And it's happening again now. It's in this women's wave 3.0. So um, it's really, really uh, an amazing time to be able to witness all this. And you know, looking back at this time at 20, from 2030 or 2040 will be a very interesting uh, history lesson for sure. So I think it's a privilege for... Um, for 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 me to witness uh this transformation to be able to help be a a a guiding voice to be a safe man for women to talk to and to be a trauma-informed coach and then to also just see so many women step up into their power and for me to be able to also have a conversation about this as a man uh is dangerous because you know people flub this type of stuff all the time but it just seems like an idea whose time has come um and it's a very important thing so owning your worth um and your magic um i think (laughs) is uh, really a behavioral demonstration. And I think taking up space and I think ruffling feathers is a big part of that um, because um, it's it's the next step and it has to happen. Oh, thank you so much for holding that space for all of us women, especially in the seat that you're sitting in as a man who's from Kansas at six foot five and white <laughs> and all the things that we felt at one point a little oppressed by you know like just that type of person but that's just not that way anymore and you're somebody that's even bringing more light to this stepping into that power and just seeing how powerful all of us are so we can all prosper and that's why I think also your name by the way like the spelling of your name I mean your soul is way more expansive than this but Mastin Kip is almost synonymous now online and stuff with the word prosper which is so wonderful. <laughs> that's cool. I love that. That's awesome. It really is. And so I'm just curious. So what is your definition of prosper? I think prospering is really about um, whole body health. Um, I think it's a, a spiritual health. I think it's a, a, a physical health, emotional health, and then having that be expressed into the world um, in service. I think when you really get in touch with uh, what lights you up and, and how that corresponds to problems of the world, 
um, and making sure that you're taking care of yourself to be able to, to, to help solve those problems. I think that's what prospering is. And as a byproduct, you have impact. And as a byproduct of your impact, you have more revenue and blah, 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 significance, all that stuff. Um, but I think it really comes down to that self-awareness of what do I love and then what are the problems of the world and how can I make sure I'm taking care of myself enough to actually solve those problems. Yes. Oh, that's amazing. <sighs> well, are there any other messages you'd like to share? Anything else before a quick rapid fire? <clears throat> yeah, I would just say one last thing. Uh, since we kind of touched on some of the Me Too stuff. Um, yes, please. I would, I would just say that, that I, am a, I am aware of my privilege as a white male. Um, and my goal is to use it for good. Because I don't think that having privilege is a bad thing. I think from a spiritual perspective, everyone is a child of God and is privileged in that nature. Um, and, but, but my goal is to use privilege, uh, for good and to also hopefully <clears throat> understand that privilege isn't bad because, you know, a lot of times, um, uh, something that, that is neither necessarily good nor bad can be cast in a certain light based on certain contexts and conversations. And I think that uh, the goal is to pass the privilege on and to have that privilege be available to people based on the quality of their character. Um, not on the color of their skin or their gender. Yes. And I don't want to just, I, I just want to say that privilege isn't bad, right? Uh, privilege that is authoritarian and maladaptive is bad. But I think mm -hmm. in general, having a privileged life allows you to have abundance, right? Um, and abundance is how you can really serve other people. So um, I just want to throw that one last piece in that I'm A, aware of, of my privilege and B, um, don't think it's necessarily um, a bad thing <laughs> to have privilege. It's how you use it that matters. Oh. Thank you so much for that. I hope that a lot of other white males that feel like, oh, I can't say this, might shy away from stepping in and speaking up because they fear that they're going to continue the oppression that they don't believe that they want to see. But no, to really just like, once everybody speaks up, we all just kind of will melt together. And I feel like nobody will really see in color or gender so much. Yeah, the future the, the future is um, is is uh, is sort of a um, a tan. Uh, uh, androgyny. <laughs> yeah, a little tan, a little caramel. Yeah, like somewhere in between white and dark is like tan, right? So it's like a, it's like a tan androgyny is the future. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Ooh, also in the beginning you were talking about clarity for 2019, and I'm just curious what you see your 2019 is going to look like because uh, well, you're talking about clarity with your future and what you're doing and dedicating your life to so you said that you were mapped out a 2019 path in a sense and what can we like look for this 2019 I, i've really gotten clear on two things i want to help people who are practitioners that are fed up with this current system of healthcare or therapy or medicine or coaching like actually make a difference and and, and become entrepreneurs and, and work with people and work with people in the way that they want to work with them um, to Hell get yeah. results um and so whether or not that's uh going to be reimbursed by insurance or whatever. Um, and so uh, we have a whole new um, sort of like uh, promotion called the Practitioner MBA um, that's all about that. And it's a teaching uh, that, you know, you, uh, most practitioners have have a learning skill set and they have a practitioner skill set to help people. But what they really need help with to make their impact is that entrepreneur skill set. Um, that's the missing piece. Um, and so I'm really lit up about helping more practitioners become entrepreneurial. Um, uh, because that's how they make their impact. And then I'm also really lit up about helping people, uh, high performers, really identify like what that root cause trauma is. Um, because once you understand what that is and you start to clear it, things start to go um, just amazing. 
And so like, you know, we have products and programs rolling out around that in terms of like our, our, our launches and promotions and live events and stuff like that. But um, uh, that's uh, it's super exciting because it's really clear. You know, it's not like, oh, I do this, I yes. do this like coaching thing. Like it's like really clear, uh, which is, you know, new for us, which is exciting. Crystal clear. Yeah. <laughs> That's so cool. Oh my gosh. Congratulations, Mastin. I'm so excited for you. And you. I will definitely be keeping up with it. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. So do you have time for a quick rapid fire? Yeah, sure. Awesome. Morning or night person? Depends on... It depends. <laughs> um, I love it. You I'm, just go with the flow. <laughs> well, if I'm in, if I'm in like a creative mode where I'm like writing a book or like you know doing a like mapping out a course or like having to create, then I'm a morning person. Um, yeah. But if I'm in a relaxed state, then I'm a night person. So it's like I have different. I have, I have both modes. Interesting. We all we all have those two sides. But I love that you really know that you have just like two sides and not one or the other. Um, big city or small town person. I think it's both again. I'm sorry to be, uh, but I think I, I like, it. I, I live it. in a, a small town now, Asheville, North Carolina, um, just because it's like less environmental toxins. Um, but I also love the big city too, because it's more connected. But the truth is living in Los Angeles, I see people just as often as I did when I lived there. <laughs> so um, it's, it's not really that yeah. different, but um, I, I love both for different reasons. Well, you travel a lot, right? Yes. A lot. A lot. What, what does your wife prefer? Um, I think she prefers to be near her family is uh, uh, the truth. Yes. You know, like we moved to North Carolina cause her family's here. Um, but she also, you know, she loves Love big cities too, but I think she loves, I mean, she loves her family, um, big time. Yeah. And so because of our nature of our business, we can be anywhere. So I was like, okay. That's amazing. <laughs> I know that's the same with me. I feel it. I love it. Um, well, when you are a morning person and you're in your creative mode, I'm just curious what your morning routine looks like. Uh, usually up at about four o'clock in the morning. Um, I'll do some, uh, like warming up, like in the shower, like warming up my body. And I do like red light therapy with what's called a juve light, J-O-O-V-V. Um, most of us have major light deprivation. Um, and so it's the right red band light therapy, um, to kind of like get the system going and wake every wake up, um, the body also help the body go to sleep. Then I'll do like an hour of like steady state cardio, I'll either like listen to a book or like write or do something creative. Um, and then typically I'll be in my zone for four or five, six hours, like really creating something um, with a really healthy blood stabilizing, uh, blood sugar stabilizing uh, food after my cardio. And then I'll train uh, like weights um, and then I'll have another healthy meal. And then usually it's like either kind of time off uh, or it's back to creative mode. And then I'll be to bed by eight or nine. Um, and then if it's not that, then it's the same pattern, just like more like seven o'clock or eight o'clock. And then instead of the afternoon being off, I'm usually with my team or doing admin style things, but I always prioritize my you know first five or six hours of the day to movement and creation. Oh, that's everything. And also I love that I asked for the morning routine, but you gave me the whole day routine, which is even better. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then when you are in your creative mode, I'm just curious what your creative routine looks like. And I love that you dedicate like four to five hours to it. It depends on what I'm creating. Um, but uh, it's sort of like controlled chaos. <laughs> um but basically, like, usually I have, like, a, a general, like, uh, a pre-planned outline of, like, like here's the book outline, uh, for example. And then I just kind of, like, write. And if, especially if, I, if I'm doing a book, um, I'll do the Pomodoro style where I'll do, like, you know, 25 minutes of writing and then, you know, 15 or 25 minutes off. And when I'm off, I'm doing something fun. 
So it's not just like meditating, it's like play, because play is a really important thing for healing trauma, but also just sustaining um, energy. And so like when I wrote Clean Your Power in Bali. Oh, you wrote that in Bali? Amazing. Oh, yeah. It, yeah, I wrote it in uh. Ubud. Yeah. Um, yeah, in 2015 or 15, 16. Um, I can't remember. Um, but yeah, in Ubud, I would like, I would have had a villa. And so like I would write for 25 minutes and then I would like hop in the pool and, and like swim. And then I would like write for 25 minutes and I'd play basketball with my friends and I'd write for 25 minutes. So I'd, I'd do something in between. And the other thing is, is I like to like um, uh, do things together. So the way that I wrote my, my books in the past was I would do a writing retreat where I'd like get like 40 people to spend and invest 15 or $20,000 to like be with me for a month in Bali writing their book too. Um, so there was this like whole energy of like people writing their book around me Whoa. too. Um, <laughs> and I would write my book at the same time and then I like hire like writing coaches to help them so I could just focus on writing and then do a couple of sessions a week. And then the rest of my time was writing, but that co-regulation was always there. So it's fun to have like, it's, it's, writing can be so isolating. Yeah. Um, so it's fun to do it together as a tribe. Ooh. And, um, and so that, yeah, so that, that's, that's really fun is to find some way to do it together with people. All those creative juices flowing together too. That sounds so powerful. Yeah. And it's, also it's powerful. And it's also like a pressure, like they're going to finish. So I better finish. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> and it just like gets you in that zone. That's why a lot of times, because I'm by myself a lot of the day. So I actually go to like a coffee shop or something just to kind of get in that productive mode. And also I'm going to call this rapid ish fire. Cause with everybody, it's never just like a quick answer. Everybody like goes <laughs> off on the answers. I love it. Um, so also speaking of Ubud, that is one of my favorite cities in the world, Ubud, Kauai and park city, Utah. So nice. where are you? Yeah. Yeah. Where are your favorite cities in the world? I mean, Ubud is definitely probably at the top. Um, Hell yeah. I would say, um, Akrotiri in Santorini is pretty amazing. Um, uh Makawao in Hawaii. I've never been to Kauai, but I have been I've been going to Maui all the time. Um Makawao in Maui is pretty incredible. The sunsets there are Lahaina too is pretty amazing. Um and Asheville, believe it or not, is like awesome. Um I didn't think I was gonna fall in love with the South, but I totally have. Um Asheville's pretty amazing. And then obviously um I love LA, New York, like all the metropolitan cities. And then my favorite European, my favorite European <laughs> city besides uh, Santorini um, and, and Akrotiri is a, a place called, I'm going to butcher this, but I'll call it Chard. Um, it's, it's right outside of Paris and it's a little tiny town in France. And uh, in Chart is a Chart Cathedral, which was Joseph Campbell's favorite Gothic cathedral. And if you ever go to the Chart, to the Chart Cathedral, it is like a spiritual experience being inside that cathedral. <gasps> it is, it is, it is the most, one of the most sacred, amazing places I have ever been um, in that cathedral. So definitely worth going. I am making note of this. I love that. <laughs> Thank you. Um, book you're currently reading, if any. Uh, oh my God. I'm reading so many books right now. Um, I read like five books. <laughs> you're worth. like me. Wow. Um, the one that I was most recently reading is called never lose a customer again by joey coleman and i love it because one of the things i'm really in deep research and inquiry around is uh customer journey from and my definition of a customer is anyone who engages on social media so um from they don't know about you to they know about you to then they trust you enough to buy to then once they buy delivering an amazing experience like that whole process and um joey's book never lose a customer again really outlines that and it's brilliant for anyone who wants to learn that stuff 
because I love that. The number one. I need to know this. Oh yeah, it's it's amazing. And the number see the number one differentiator moving forward because there's so many coaches now isn't your offering. It's how you deliver stuff. Like like how you like the client experience is the differentiator. Um, and so if you can really master uh, delivering a great experience and then planning an experience and then meeting you well, and that whole process is 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 magical and awesome and different then, you know, the coaching doesn't really matter because their experience of you is different. So uh, it's pretty powerful stuff. Yeah, Never Lose a Customer Again by Joey Coleman. What did you want to be when you grew up as a child? Mm, I want <laughs> I want uh, to be a philanthropist. <laughs> no. Well, because I didn't know what I wanted to be, but I knew if I was a philanthropist, I'd be super rich. <laughs> that is brilliant. That is so true. <laughs> yeah. I, I would always joke about being a philanthropist. I, I love up. it. And now guess what? You were, you kind of are, so it works out. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which by the way, I want to have you again on sometime to talk about financial freedom because I know sure. you're so brilliant at that. Yeah, sure. Oh, amazing. Um, what is your definition of alignment? Um, alignment. Um, I think alignment is about how fast you get back on track. Ooh, yes. Ooh, Yes. <laughs> Yeah, because like I mean, obviously alignment like literally means like everything is aligned, everything's in a row, everything is lined up. There's a there's a straight line between here and there, um, but but alignment is more about getting back on track. And the best example of this is airplanes. So airplanes spend their entire time you know dodging uh, weather patterns, all kinds of things, and they're constantly tacking, right? So we think like because we look at like the little thing on the seat, the seat that has this like straight line from LA to New York or whatever, um, but it, it actually is super curvy. Because they're always going up and down, left and right, avoiding things. And airplanes are always getting back on track to get to their destination. So I think alignment is more about how fast you get back on track than not getting off track. Mm, That's so brilliant. Oh, 100%. The universe gave you free billboards to share one message across the main highways in major cities all around the world. What would this billboard read? Oh, Jesus. Um, (laughs) Click here to opt in. No. Um, <laughs> more to read. Um, let's see. I think it would probably be heal your trauma, heal your life. Ah, uh, yeah. That's that's you. That's perfect. <laughs> yeah. If I, yeah. That's probably. And then, and then go go to www.madisonkip.com. Yeah, of course. Up. You have to add that in there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised no one's ever plugged that. That's so true. That's where you signed up. Um, and then call back. <laughs> One last question that we ask all our Your Own Magic guests. What would you, how would you advise the Your Own Magic listeners to create their own magic? I think, um, I think it's about doing the trauma work, right? So, um, and, and, mm-hmm. and magic, by the way, um, if you look at like Arthur C. Clarke, a uh, great writer of science fiction and science mind, um, talks about any advanced technology is seemingly indistinguishable from magic, Right. Um, when something is super, so if you take like a, an iPhone to a cave person, it's like magical to them. Um, and I think, um, that, uh, magic, like I love Harry Potter. I love, uh, the idea of magic. I think, I think magic is something that is the, the nature of the universe in a lot of ways. Like I think like there's a lot of things that are unexplainable to our certain view of things. And I think that the fastest and, and most efficient way to kind of step into your own magic is to do your trauma work. Because if you look at, for example, like the Harry Potter series, um, that is a story about one boy who didn't have a mother, who um, you know was an orphan, who had no parents, had no love, had uh, no relationships, and thought he had to do it on his own and feared death, and he became Voldemort. And then there's another boy who had who was, who was saved by the love of his mother, 
even though she wasn't around for very long, who had those secure attachments and those relationships. And through doing his own work, essentially, and, 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 and having help and, and working on himself and being able to heal his trauma and have that secure attachment from childhood, essentially uh, defeat um, the traumatized person, right? Um, and so, so, so when you look at, like, for example, Harry Potter as a, an example, um, the, one of the most powerful lines in the whole series is in the, one of the final stories when he, um, he says, I'm not afraid to die or I'm ready to die or some version of that. And it was really powerful, not because he was ready to die like he wanted to, but that's the thing that Voldemort could never say. Voldemort was always afraid of death and always wanted to like prevent himself from dying. So Harry was in that place of active surrender to say, like, take me, I'm ready. And that's really that that surrender point, whether it's Jesus or Harry or whoever, you know, Luke Skywalker, whoever the hero or heroine is. Um, when you get to that place, I think that's what makes you most magical to be able to have that that freedom, because otherwise you're oriented around towards survival and you can't be in survival mode and magic at the same time. So magic is sort of this embracing the fact that things are going to leave, or that you're going to die just like Harry did. And that's what made him the most powerful wizard. Right. Um, and that's why he was, quote, the chosen one. It's the same thing Jesus did. There's a lot of Christian iconography in the Harry Potter series. Um, but to me, that's the most important thing. And that's that trauma-informed approach. It happens through relationship. If you look at the difference between Harry and Voldemort, Harry had friends, Harry had relationships, Harry had support, Harry had help, Voldemort didn't, he demanded things. So I think um, it's really about um, asking for help and not doing it alone as well. Um, so some combination of all those things. <laughs> uh, that is one of my favorite answers so far. Amen to that. Wow. Um, and then back to that call of action, where can everyone find you and connect with you? Oh, um, yeah. So just uh, mastinkip.com and at mastinkip on all the things. Um, Instagram, Facebook, <laughs> yeah. and all that jazz. And on, on all the things. And of course, I'm going to put it in the show notes. Mastin, you are magical. Oh my gosh. I am like uh, so beyond on a high right now talking to you. And I just want to like dig in. Yeah, you are amazing. Thank you so much for being here today. It's been a pleasure to be here. And this has been a really great interview. And you asked a lot of really great questions and held a lot of awesome space. So thank you. And I'm happy to come back sometime and talk finance. Oh, yes, please. We know we need it. I love it. Thank you so much. And have a wonderful awesome. day. You too. All right. Bye. Dear Yomi, thank you so much, so, so much for lending your ear. I, I hope something in this spoke to your soul. And will you please, please say hello in the Your Own Magic Facebook group to all of the Soul Tribers. And if you, if you like this podcast, I would so love to read your review. And of course, I'll gift you a free guided meditation from yourownmagic.life, which by the way, has many meditations, meditative imaginings, journal questions, magic monthly challenges, and just other spiritual tools for your soul. More on yourownmagic.life when you join the Soul Tribe exclusive site for $4.44 per month. I'm just thankful for us spiritualists to gather together and have a safe space to help us tap into our own magic. Anyways, I love you all so much. Thank you for listening and have a magical day.